turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at a few verses there. And then we'll be looking at a couple of other verses uh, from the New Testament that kind of support what we're talking about this morning. Uh, This morning, uh, what I want to talk about uh, is expressed this way in in some type of a converted thought. It says this, For God, let's... Do good and let's do lots. Okay? It's simply that. Let's do good and let's do lots when it comes to God. Uh, through, through the course of the week, I had, I had two words uh, in, in, in my heart and in my mind. And, and the words were, they're, they're King James words. Uh, and sometimes I think in the King James, you know. Uh, but the words were grudgingly and sparingly. And you kind of know in scripture where these words come from. But what I discovered as I, I began to, to, to get into this and prepare for this, I found them basically in the same scripture, in the same place in scripture. And, and that's 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And it'll kind of set the table for what we talk about this morning. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Uh, Paul says, uh, but, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and we indeed, Lord God, again, ask that you would apply it to our hearts and lives, and and Lord, that you would anoint it and uh, give us supernatural understanding and and recollection and remembrance of your word this morning. We just pray, Lord, that that not only would we be blessed by this time in your word, but that we would be a blessing unto you as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in these scriptures, uh, a lot of times this is, it, it's referring to giving, like giving of our finances and stuff. And, and, and so it always says there, if, 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 we, if we give sparingly, we, we reap sparingly. If we give grudgingly, then it's, it's a reflection on our heart. And so it talks about, in, in, in one sense, it talks about giving of our finances. But what I want to do this morning is I want to apply it further. Not not simply to our finances, but I, I, I want to apply it to our, our lives, our ministry, the things we do for God. Not only giving of our finances, but anything we're going to do for God, let's do it not sparingly, let's do it not grudgingly, let's do it not out of necessity, but let's do it for these wonderful reasons. So we're going to talk about the stuff that we do, the stuff that we could do, and the attitude or the heart that we should have in doing so. And so in in, in lining that kind of stuff up, here's 
basically what these scriptures are saying. We're only going to get out of life proportionately what we put into it. Put in lots, you're going to reap lots. You're going to gain or benefit in a big way. If you only put in a little bit into your love for God and your service for him and everything, if you only put in a little bit, then you're only going to be able to pull a little bit back out of it. It uses the word sow. You know, kind of as, as an illustration of a sower with, 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 with planting seeds. But basically what it's saying is, he who contributes to life, he who participates in life, he who engages in life sparingly or grudgingly or of necessity, has to deal with having lived life that way or having to deal with life that way. Uh, you, you know, we, uh, as believers, we should be excited about life. We should wake up saying, man, I can't imagine what God's going to do today. I'm just excited for today. Instead of waking up and saying, oh, man, it's another day. What's going to happen now? You know? And, and, and so we want to approach life not grudgingly and, and, and such. And what we discover here in these scriptures is that it's a heart-related issue because verse 7 says, as a person purposes in their heart. And the ultimate question here is, is when, when we want to get excited about God and doing things for God, living for God, and, and that can be week-long at the workplace and, and it, can be, it can be looking forward to Sunday morning church. When, when, when we're looking at our, our faith lives and we're, when we're looking at our work lives out there and everything, the question becomes, how much of your heart are you going to pour into it? Are there things in your life that you put your whole heart into and other things you don't? And if you can say, I, I can think of this and that. Maybe, maybe you got a hobby and into that hobby you pour your entire heart. Then you should be asking yourself, am I pouring that much of my heart into my relationship with God? into my life as a, as a believer, as, as, as a Christian. So I, I kind of paraphrase it by saying, as goes your heart, so goes your life. Sparingly, if you do things sparingly, it, it, it means that you, you do it in a small proportion. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to give you my life and my love and my attention. I'm only going to give it to you sparingly. You know, not, not all of it, maybe just as much as I think I can afford. It's like giving life but holding some of it back. And so God is saying, whatever you're going to do for me, don't hold back. Don't, don't just give a little bit or something. God says your heart should want you to give everything. Grudgingly means half-heartedly. It means reluctantly. It, it, it means regretfully. Is there stuff you do in your life that you regret you have to do? You know, some of us have to work for, you know, 30, 40 years, and, and we do so uh, half-heartedly because, because work is just a torture and I'm not a happy camper, you know? But, but God is saying, figure out some way to just put a little hitch in your step and a, a little excitement in your day and just go to work and say, hallelujah, I'm at work. Uh, let's have a great day. You know, not, not to do so grudgingly. 
Of necessity, it means you're actually forced to do it. You know, your boss could certainly force you to come to work. You'd like to do it of your own free will, of your own volition, happy to be able to do it. But some of us only go to work because I'll get fired if I don't show up, you know? And, and God doesn't want us working for him just for that reason either. And uh, this word tells us that when we live our faith lives in these ways, if we, if we live our faith lives in a sparing kind of way or in a grudging kind of way or a resigned kind of way or a matter-of-fact kind of way, if, if we live our lives that way, we're going to reap in a similar fashion in maybe an equal proportion. You know, if, if we only put in so much, we're only going to receive back so much. Now, uh, we could look at that as a reward, because the word does say God is a rewarder. Usually when the word says God is a rewarder, it doesn't mean he gives you a bigger paycheck. It means you have eternal life. But, but we do know God rewards us. I call those rewards blessings, you know, basically. But uh, if we're going to reap something from living for God and loving God and loving to live for God, if, if we're going to gain something or reap something, that reward, what might that reward be? I said it could possibly be satisfaction. You know, if, if I do stuff for God for the right reason, if, 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 if I teach Sunday school, if I pastor the church, if, if, I, if I bring a dish to the potluck and I'm doing it just because I love God and I love being a believer, then I get a satisfaction out of that. If I do it for a lousy reason, I may never feel satisfaction in that. So satisfaction could be a reward. Fruit Produced Maybe because we do something just because we want to bless somebody, we'll, we'll see it come to fruition and, and produce wonderful results. Uh, otherwise, uh, maybe part of our reward would be the, the blessings that we bestow on someone else. You know, it would be a wonderful thing to do something for somebody, not so that I get the glory for it, but to do something for somebody so that they receive a blessing from it. And, and again, the word says, if we can pour into that excitedly, then we will gain or reap exciting things. And uh, if, if we're only half-heartedly doing it, maybe we won't even fully experience the satisfaction. If we're only half-heartedly doing something for God, we might not experience the full joy of, of, of what that can, can bring. Uh, or, you know, if, if we only do something half-heartedly, will we experience a greater measure of regret for, for how we dealt with it or, or how we managed it? And, and so here again, we see that description of how we'll do things for God. And then the way to look at it, uh, coming from verse 8, is when God plugs in to what we've been doing. Uh, in, in these verses, when we're referring to giving of our finances, verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Uh, and, and, and what that, that basically means is that God is going to increase your ability to be an even bigger blessing. And, and that's kind of a wild and crazy thing to think about finances. 
You know, the word would say, you know, keep your finances to yourself. God will give you a, a certain kind of life, a certain kind of time. You share your finances with others. You give to missions, you give to the church, you give to God. God is going to increase your ability to even do more of that. That's what's really intended in this word. But what I want to say is the more that we get excited about doing stuff for God, the more God is going to increase our ability to do stuff. He's going to put other things in front of us that give us an opportunity to be able to do something like that. And so God will increase our ability to be a blessing. Now, how does God do that? How does God increase my ability to be a blessing? And, and, and I actually heard an illustration of this in, a, in kind of a parallel way yesterday. Uh, Many of us are familiar with this gal. Her name is Johnny uh, Erickson Tata. Uh, a, a gal, she's, well, she's now 67 years old. Uh, but as, as a young person, uh, she was, uh, I, I think, in an accident, paralyzed uh, from basically the neck down. And uh, lives, lives her life in a wheelchair. And uh, her, her basically entire adult life uh, she has dealt with this, and she was sharing that when this happened, uh, she was wondering, how am I ever going to deal with this? How am I going to deal living this kind of a life? And, and people would try to encourage her, fellow believers would try and encourage her, and they would say something to her, something to the effect of give thanks in all things, you know, to the Lord. And she's thinking to herself, well, fat chance. You know what, I, I'm, I'm going to thank God that I can't walk and I, I, I'm going to thank God that, that I'll never be able to do things other people do. How can I thank God for that or how can I thank God in that? And, and she was, while, while she was thinking that, uh, she was told by someone, you know what the word says, give thanks always for all things unto God. What the word says is, in everything give thanks, for, for this is the word of God. This person told her, the, the scriptures don't say, be happy about it. The scriptures say, just give thanks. And she began to think about that and say, well, can I not be happy about ever being able to you know, function as, as most human beings do. Can, can I ever be uh, not happy about that, but able to give thanks? And, and so what she did was she began to give God thanks. And, and she says, here I am, God, paralyzed, but at least I can sit up in a wheelchair. And at least I'm, I'm mobile. So I, I thank you for that. And we know she became a, a speaker, an author, a painter, all of these types of things. And so she'd say, well, I thank you, God, that I can function in that way. And what she said was, when I began thanking God for that, she says it was like a month later or a little more than a month later, she says, one day in, in my normal day of just thanking God for whatever I could, could do, she said, he just showered this grace upon me. And, and, and I experienced like release and relief from all of this 
what about me kind of thing and everything. So that's how God provided for her the grace to get past her uh, plight or, or her devastation. God got her past that. And, and so if we look at that and say for ourselves, God, if I would just be thankful, I don't have to be happy about it. I just have to practice giving you thanks. And if I will do that, basically God says, you know, just down the road a little piece, I'm going to shower my grace upon you. And, and, and it's, it's actually going to be real, this, this love and this excitement and everything that you would feel for doing stuff for me. Okay, so again, if we will do things, if we will live simply our Christian life, if we'll live our faith life, not grudgingly, not sparingly, but giving God thanks, God will shower grace upon us, bring further opportunities to us. And then I wanted to throw in a bonus idea as well. I think this would apply wonderfully to any of us that struggle with forgiveness. If any of us would say, uh, that Wednesday night, part of my message, now I don't know if I can mean this in a nice way or not, but part of my message on Wednesday night, as we've been talking in Ecclesiastes, part of my message is going to be, men are pigs. Okay? Now, now what I want to say is, but I mean that in the nicest way. Okay? But, but, but if, if we have feelings where, where some... Some gal might say, well, as far as I'm concerned, all guys are jerks, you know? And, and she wouldn't want to go to heaven that way. She, she wouldn't want to go to heaven and God saying, you know, the way you felt about men, that wasn't a really nice heart, you know? And, and, and so if she instead would just give thanks, she doesn't have to be happy about it, but just give thanks, God might help her past that, that unforgiveness kind of thing. I talked to a believer one time that had tragedy in their lives. They, they had a child who was murdered. And, and this believer said, I will never forgive the person that did this. And, and, and uh, you, you know, somehow you can even imagine in that how God's heart would deal with something like that. In, in other words, if, if, if Jesus came upon a circumstance of that kind of tragic nature, would Jesus, so to speak, go to his grave saying, I'll never forgive them? No, we know Jesus would, would be able to. He would find a way to forgive. And, and if we're not happy about it, but we will still say, God, I just, I just thank you that you, you've put a heart in me where I just want to say thank you, Lord, even though I'm not happy about it, the possibility that God could even take that unforgiveness away and, and shower a, a blessing in the midst of all of that. So now we've got all of this information about how we should live our faith life and how we, sh we should love to do things for God because we love God. I'm going to throw in a, a, a few other supporting scripture verses and, and, and then close with all that business. Um, and, and, and what God is saying here in verse 8 of, of 2 Corinthians 9, God's going to make that grace abound toward you so that you will have everything. Sufficiency? You have everything you'll ever need for anything. And once you've got that, then you can abound in all of the good stuff you want to do for God.
And, 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 and so what it's saying is, because you'll overflow with everything you'll ever need, for any time you'll ever need it, you'll excel at everything you will ever do. It's kind of, it's kind of like a wonderful free license uh, emotionally. To just say, God, I've gotten rid of all my excess baggage. The stuff I never wish i do. The stuff uh, I, I never wish I was as a person. I got rid of all of that. I, I bring it before you. You've given me the grace to get over that. And now I can excel in anything that I do for you. And, and, and that's the, the, the promise of, of 2 Corinthians 9. So now you add to that Galatians 6.8. He who sows to the flesh reaps corruption. He that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. So let's not be weary in well-doing. And uh, have, therefore, opportunity. Let us do good to all men. So Galatians 6, starting at verse 8, is just simply simply telling us that, that we have an opportunity to put into or put effort into the things of this world or the things in, in, in eternity. And, and in, in doing so, we, we discover that the more we invest in this life, it's meaningless. The more we invest in this life, it's good for about 80 years. But if we invest in eternal things, giving unto God, loving God, ministering for God, loving others, you know, if, 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 if we invest in, in the things that are eternal, we're, we're going to have that reward Forever, so so if we're investing, what's what's currency we invest? If we're if we're going to invest in this life, what's our currency? Our currency is money. If we're going to invest in this life, you're looking at your four hundred one k. If you're in invest in this life, you're looking at your savings account or your checkbook. If you're going to invest in this life, you're looking at your friends. Not to be confused with your admirers. You know, sometimes we heap friends around us to make us feel good and, and, and give us that support. Uh, it's, it, it's indeed, you know, relationships. But if we're investing in worldly friends and never invest in friends that will build us in our faith, then we're kind of missing the boat. Uh, our eternal currency... Faith, prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, acts of compassion, we invest in those things. We, we gain an eternal blessing from that. Faith relationships, where they grow and we grow. Promoting the cause of Christ instead of promoting the things of the world. And, and so we want to invest in, in the eternal things. And that's what we see in Galatians. In Hebrews 6.10, God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. And all I want to say there is, is, is we, we live for God because we love. We live for God, we do for God because we love God and we love others. And it's actually a reflection of how much we love ourselves as well too. And then lastly, Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 17. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. 
And so we know that anything we want to do for God, even our faith lives, you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, you don't go to church, you don't do nice stuff for people so you can be acknowledged of man, so you get an attaboy, or so that the newspaper writes an article on you that you did this or you did that. You don't do those things for that reason. You do it because you love God. And and, and so anything we do, sometimes even pastor asks you to do stuff in church. Would you like to teach, you know, Sunday school? Would you like to work in the nursery? You don't even do it because pastor asked you to. You do it because you love God. You love children. You love teenagers. You love infants. And and God says you're going to reap benefits that are are, are going to be wonderful and and amazing. So really what I said at the end of all of this is whatever we're going to do for God, let's go whole hog. Let's, let's just go all out. You know, I should have to lasso you with a rope and tie you to a doorknob so you don't go wild and crazy, go off just doing wonderful stuff for God all the time in the church. I should have to slow you down, you know, like that. And so that's this morning's word. When it comes to God, let's do good and let's do lots and, and let's have it from just that right place in our hearts so that we're not giving to God sparingly and we're not giving to God grudgingly, you know. Um, the number of times my wife has asked me to do something and I've just done it grudgingly, you know. And it could be as simple as, would you bring me a fork to, to, will you take out the garbage or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, I will, fine, you know. And how many times do we kind of go to God with that attitude? And, and God says, don't come sparingly like that. Don't come grudgingly like that. But let's come giving thanks, giving praise, showering praise and blessing and glory on God. Not even because we're happy about something, but even in its terribleness, that we would still just say, God, I know you still want me to thank you, and so I'm going to thank you, and while I thank you, I'm going to trust you're going to change my heart and shower that grace that you promised in Second Corinthians. So bow your hearts with me as we close.